0: The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top Five Movies Movies, movies. Top Five What's Movies. Top Five Top Movies Movies. Top Five Top
1: Top Five Movies
0: Come Top Five Movies. Hey everybody, Welcome To Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And I guess I could refer to this as remotely. Mike is not with us, and I guess we're always remotely, but Mike is going to be recording his top five separate. Um, this is It happens every once in a while where we just can't all sync up our schedules, and in the past, we've just had to uh, go with just the two of us. Um, however, it dawned on me that we could record our parts separately if ever needed to happen, And I can just cut them in. So that's what we're going to try this episode. So Mike is going to record his top five. Um, Corey and I are hoping we'll know what his list is before we get into uh, the list, our own list, so we can at least give some thoughts if we know what Mike's talking about. Um, But for the listeners enjoyment, you will get to hear Mike's uh, list and also the reasons behind them. So um, with that in mind, this week's topic is our top five movies about drugs. And we left that open so we could have interpreted it as movies where people use drugs or sell drugs or get caught, you know, transporting drugs. And all of this was inspired by Clint Eastwood's new film, The Mule, which is set to come out, I believe, next weekend. Um, Have you seen the trailers for that, Corey?
2: I don't think so.
0: It's kind of an interesting looking movie because it's, uh, from my understanding, Clint Eastwood made the movie like six months ago, like it was uh, kind of like a... spontaneous project it's got michael pena and bradley cooper also in it um and uh oh there's somebody else that's really good lawrence Fishburne. i think um is maybe the police chief or the fbi or dea i didn't you know miscellaneous cop organization for the film um and clint eastwood is you know obviously a much older uh actor at this point he's also directing um so he's playing this like old man drug mule and you hear like this voiceover where he's saying uh this is the last job kind of thing so, it, it's it, it's pretty tense in the trailer. Um, I don't think it's getting really great reviews, but I, I am kind of looking forward to it. Not, like, super pumped, but I'm hoping it's enjoyable. I, Eastwood's films and I uh, are hit and miss. I've liked a couple, I've disliked some, and I've skipped a few. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to try to see this one, though, if it comes to my local theater, but... But that was kind of what got me thinking. I mean, there's a few other movies. I mean, drugs are frequent in tons and tons of movies. uh, But that was what got me thinking for this topic. Um, There are... They run the genres, too. Did you notice that when you were making your list? That, like, it's not just dramas for drug movies. Like, there's a lot of drug comedies. And there's, um, you know, there's action movies built around, like, the drug trade. Or, like, the DE agents and things like that. So, I mean, you kind of get into uh, any of the, the topics. I guess... Outside of maybe sci-fi, although there could be some sci-fi movies that deal with, like, intergalactic drugs, I guess. Um, Death Sticks and Star Wars, right? You do not want <laughs> to sell me Death Sticks. But, uh, before we get into our list this week, um, Corey and I both watched Dumplin' on Netflix. And, I don't know, Corey, have you seen the Metacritic score for, uh, Dumplin'? I don't think so. It's, it's, when I saw it this morning, it's a 47. And that kind of broke my heart, because... I loved it, and apparently other critics are not loving it. And I can see there's a few tropes that I've seen a few critics point out um, that are are bad tropes. Um, Partly, like, the the traditional trope name is Magical Negro. However, it does not have to be a black character anymore. It's essentially that you have a white protagonist who finds a sage-like figure whose sole purpose in the story is to guide our lost white protagonist to um, their promised land, so to speak. And it is a trope, and it's a horrible trope. Um, and yet, uh, I don't know, I didn't feel like the uh, the drag queens in Dumplin' would meet that criteria, essentially. And not because, by coincidence, one of them happens to be black, but um, in this case, it's the non-traditional figure uh, who is in position to help the poor white protagonist figure. Um and but I felt like they they alluded to a story and a purpose of their own. Um maybe not in full detail but enough to try to break out of the trope a little cuz usually that's the issue with the trope is that that figure exists solely for the white protagonist. In this case, it sounds like like he himself has just returned I can't think of his name in the movie but and Sadly, it's an actor who I love, and I always forget his name. It's Michael something. Um, And he was in Lost, and he's in The uh, Matrix, Reloaded, and oh, man, I forgot the other sequel. Something with an R. Um, Not good. Uh, But he's also in um, the HBO TV series Oz, and he's Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet. Um, Okay. He's my favorite character in Romeo and Juliet at, at that and he's in a lot of other stuff, but those are like some of my favorite roles, especially Lost. Um, you know what? I think his name's Michael on Lost. I don't think his actual name is Michael. Crap. But um, I like Dumplin' a whole lot. What were your thoughts, Corey?
2: I cried the whole time.
0: Did you laugh, too? Because I laughed and cried.
2: I did laugh, but okay. I don't know. Um, I liked it a lot, and I'm a Dolly Parton appreciator. Um, one of my dreams is to see her at the Grand Ole Opry <laughs> when I go to Nashville, also a dream but um i just love that that's what brought everybody in the movie together Mm -hmm. a lot um and i just loved like i don't know like her because it centers around her aunt who she feels practically like raised her and just like finding all these things out about her aunt i guess and that she's like this kind of like undercover larger than life you know what I mean like she ends up having all these like different people that just love her and are also drawn to her because of Dolly Parton I just I don't know I thought it was a good movie I thought it was you know
0: yeah I I also thought I thought it did a really um I did find Danielle McDonald's performance to be excellent uh she is also in Patty Cake a movie Corey did not like uh, um although she didn't finish I feel like that's on you Um, but, uh, she's Australian and has like an Australian accent outside of her movie. So she's got a very good job. She's done a very good job because in... She
2: did like a Texas, you know, like... And in
0: Patty Cake, she's got a Jersey accent. Um, so she's really, really, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm, I was very impressed because I, I, when I realized she was Australian, like, I went looking for an interview and they, they had her on, um, ooh, I'm going to forget his name. The show that's on after Jimmy Fallon um i can't think of the guy's name he was on saturday night live forever but he was on she was on his show for dumpling and total australian accent and i was like wow yeah that is really impressive to me how good oh her my accent God. is
2: um so i loved her friend l in the mm-hmm. movie and she's in labored oh. yeah and i was like oh my gosh i like her so much and i recognize her but i couldn't like place her and i just had to google it and she was also in goosebumps apparently she was hannah
0: yeah i didn't realize that was her in goosebumps but um she was really good in Lady Bird. She's the, uh, not Julie, the the best friend, but the, the girl who becomes that the Lady Bird girl. tries to befriend, yeah, and lies to and all that. Um, I think she does a really good job in this. Aniston is, I, I love the mother character because... I don't. Oh, go ahead. Well, they didn't make her a true 100% pure villain, and I liked that about this movie. Is like, and it, it felt so real to me because... There isn't this like over the top evil antagonist, or there's no like weird plot to destroy Danielle when she joins the the, you know, the pageant. Like nobody, it's it it's never over the top. Uh, there's only one scene in the movie that I felt was kind of like eye rolly, cringy, um, too cheesy, and that was like a makeup sequence with two characters who were fighting. But I, I really <coughs> thought Anderson's character, well, she does things wrong, but she does things wrong maybe like it never she felt intentional human. yes exactly everybody in the movie felt pretty human to me even like the biggest like jerks in the movie um just felt like you know everybody is capable of being an asshole at some point and that's what this movie to me like showed it wasn't like there was some this person is pure evil and danielle is pure good because danielle's got her problem she over she assumes things about her mother and um you know looks She doesn't give her mom a chance either, and like I don't know. I really I thought it was really great. Um, it's very funny, very very human, uh, very relatable.
2: Agreed. And then Max and I were listening to Dolly all day. It hasn't been feeling like Christmas at all. Says the girl who puts up her tree like November first.
0: Yeah, but my wife too.
2: You know, like, and then I realized I hadn't listened to the Kenny and Dolly Christmas. That
0: four times with my wife in the car today Uh, no just in general uh for the last week or so i guess um so good well i i found and i wanted to bring this up so i'm glad you kind of segued into what i wanted to talk about um i like i like christmas music and uh christmas music does help me get into the feeling of christmas and it hasn't been feeling like that um so i've been kind of making myself listen to christmas stuff and I don't know, like, I kind of burnt out of the stuff I used to like. I used to like Straight No Chasers Christmas album a lot, and now it's kind of, like, it's still good, but I don't, I've heard it too many times. Um, I also, I'm a sucker for the Neil Diamond uh, Very Cherry Christmas album, but even I that's kind of, that. oh, I it came out when I worked at FYE, and so I it was, uh, I, I think I actually got the, like, promotional copy that year, um, but uh, I found, um, I, I every once in a while I'll, like, look into, alternative styled christmas music where they'll have like weezer did a christmas album and things like that and i came across Ugh. the uh, punk goes christmas um deluxe album uh the other night and don't there you is...
2: like the punk goes pop
0: yeah it's the same company it's punk goes mm-hmm. christmas this time yes i do um even though i don't like all the bands because it's not what i consider pop punk a lot of it is more like emo or screamo um and i don't always like that i sometimes do but i came across um song called uh the 12 punk pop punk days of christmas and i absolutely love it um it's very very fun because they they've changed the 12 days of christmas to be more like pop punk like tropes and trends and style you know like styles or of sorts and like uh it cracked me up and then it it takes a funny turn towards the end of the song which a lot of the covers of that song do because it it's very redundant if you don't start making some jokes about like number ones and twos towards the end. And it gets, it gets pretty funny. And it's, um uh, but it's by a band called, um, Sunrise Skater Kids. And I've just listened to one other song of theirs so far, but I'm, I think I might have found a new pop punk band I'm interested in. Um, I like their style. It's, they got a little bit of like the more screamo edge because they'll do like breakdowns and they have some, uh, grittier vocals that you don't hear in like what I consider pop punk, like Blink 182 or, um, uh newfound glory although i think newfound glory gets a little heavier every once in a while but um i just want to throw that that out there if you're looking for something christmasy but at the same time more in the rock world uh the pop goes or the punk goes uh christmas deluxe is a lot of fun there's some other good songs on there um they did a, a completely instrumental because the home alone theme song is instrumental but they did um a cover of that like in pop punk and it's excellent like i really really like it um I don't know who covered that one, but it's it's really, really solid. And uh, Newfound Glory has a um, getting nothing for Christmas song that's really good. There's some good stuff on it. Uh, just throwing that out there. I kind of came across it on accident. And I'm happy that I did because I've listened to it twice. So helping me get in my Christmas spirit. And we spent all day today. Uh, we had the annual my wife's my wife's a manager at a retail store. And every year we have like a little Christmas gathering of her employees um, and usually it's done at night and this year, uh, they had the idea to do it as breakfast. Oh, so, nice. So my wife was like, yeah, cause one, it's cheap to do like breakfast food. And so she's like, um, we're going to make pancakes. And I looked at her, I'm like, you mean I'm going to make pancakes, don't you? She's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. I'm like, all right, fine. So I made like 50 pancakes this morning, uh, to feed seven people. Um, it was probably too many. We have like some leftover, uh, and a bunch of sausage and then they brought like fruit and stuff, um. But that was how I started my morning and then it was a rainy day here in Florida. Uh, It rained like all day today and um, My wife and daughter were gonna go to Bach Towers, which is a local uh, Nature reserve type thing near us and because it was raining that was canceled. So my wife decided we would um, bake Um, we would bake stuff today uh, to help get in the Christmas spirit and um, my daughter was making chocolate chip cookies and nothing from scratch. Everything from prepackaged stuff. Because we're not good at baking.
2: This is me shaking my head.
0: I, I know. Corey is a baker folks. Uh, and very good at it. We, and if I
2: bake you something.
0: I best can, bet. Well, yeah. I, I can bake. Because I follow directions. But I'm not... I don't enjoy baking because it is so many directions. But my wife on the other hand refuses to follow directions. So... <laughs> We ma- see that. We're making Buckeyes. You know what Buckeyes are, Corey?
2: I don't know.
0: Essentially, it's a Reese's cup. It's a ball of peanut butter, oh, like shit. sugar peanut butter, and then you dip it in chocolate. So it's essentially a Reese's cup, but it's just not a cup. And it looks like the Buckeye, I guess it's a nut. I don't actually, it's some kind of thing that grows on a tree. But, so the first time we do it, I follow the directions, and I'm showing, like, the measuring cups. I measure the sugar perfectly, and we do it, and we realize that, like... It's not going to make as many as we thought, so we're going to do it again. So I turn my back, and... Okay, so one, I look, and she's using the liquid measuring cup to measure powdered sugar. And I'm like, no, no, that's not... I'm
2: going to have to put my headphones down (laughs) for a minute. You text me when you're done telling
0: this story. (laughs) So she dumps that into the bowl, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, already. Like, it's not going to be right. And so then... She's like, how much peanut butter? I'm like, well, I have no idea because I don't know how much sugar you just put in the thing because <laughs> you didn't measure it, right? So then I, I we'd follow the rest of the steps as normal, I think, and then I mix it, and I immediately, like, this is way too dry. Like, there's way too much sugar because it's it's so dry. So then um, I put a little more peanut butter, and it's, it's still not wet enough now. So I'm like, Me- melt some more butter. And I'm like, how much did you put last time? And she's like... This, this amount, it's like half a stick. I'm like, okay, well, give me half of that. She does not listen to me. She does the whole half a stick. Holy. So then the peanut butter is like way too greasy. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, this batch is going to be weird. <laughs> so I love my wife, but she does not follow directions when it comes to cooking. I think that cooking. she
2: just doesn't have patience. She just wants she doesn't. to do it.
0: And that's exactly why I'm not good at baking. My I will follow the directions, but I get very frustrated because it takes so long to follow everything properly and then i'm still worried because if i measure even slightly off it can affect the flavor or the texture or whatever so i get very frustrated in that regard and she's just ready to get it done and so yeah both of us not meant to bake um again i'll mine will turn out okay because i have the the drive to follow step-by-step directions exactly but uh she does not and that that is not in her wheelhouse so yeah, since baking is an exact science, it, it never turns out perfect. But, um, but nonetheless, we'll have some uh, varying degree of delicious Buckeyes uh, <laughs> in the next day or so. But um, I think that is enough of the pre-Top uh, 5 chatter. Um, listeners, if you are new to the show, uh, I told you earlier our topic this week is Top 5 Movies About Drugs, and again, we left that open to the individual's Uh, interpretation of what what constitutes a drug movie um whether again it's drug dealing drug using um, drug trafficking drug uh, police force whatever uh even technically speaking if the movie has to be about drugs or if the movie just has to have a moment with drugs you know there's all sorts of interpretations available here but these are our top five individual picks uh we go in order from this week mike me and then Corey um we have not told each other uh our list yet so we do not know Mike's at all so we can't react to Mike's unfortunately we, normally this is us having a conversation picking on each other laughing and that's the other thing usually when Mike is here Corey and I like to make a bet as to uh who saw more of Mike's movies cuz Mike has a tendency to be a little more obscure um but we don't ha- we won't know if we saw them or not so we can't do that this week unfortunately but uh we will have one more episode before 2018 ends um where we should be able to pull that together but for this episode um we do like to talk freely about the movies that we have picked and that leads to Corey. hey guys
2: you can go to dot and check out each of our top five lists otherwise from here forward we're going to talk about the movies probably in great detail you've been warned
0: all right and mike if you would go ahead and tell us your number five top five movie about drugs all right
1: so i um Apologizing again, profusely for not being able to record live with you all. I do have my excused absence uh, because our school was doing some fundraising again. It was a last minute need. They needed more teacher uh, presence at the fundraiser. So I apologize. And hopefully that will not happen again. There is only one more game and it is going to be during our school break, holiday break. And I am not volunteering for that one. So. In any case, uh, let's move on to my list and, of course, my... I want to jump right into my number five pick. And I did have a change on one of them, which I've already done with my initial recording because I'm doing this again. I messed up. I done goofed. So I'm going to jump right into number five. Gaspar Noe, and I might be mispronouncing the name, I always get it wrong, but he has previously been mentioned on this podcast. And to be truthful, Irreversible is a film that could never, ever be forgotten. However... That said, Irreversible is not my pick as it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with drugs. His 2009 film, Enter the Void, however, does and is my number five pick. Ostensibly, the film's about a relationship between a brother and sister, but in true Grasper Noe fashion does not, capital capital for emphasis, does not approach this in any standard sort of manner. For example, yes, there is some linear aspect to the storytelling, but then it switches gears pretty quickly once, and here's the spoilers, once the main character of Oscar dies. Um, His sister, Linda, is played by Paz de la Huerta, and I mentioned her by name as I honestly had forgotten that she was in this and had forgotten how much work she's done. She has been all over the place, and you'd have to look her up on IMDb because uh, she's amazing in this and really good in pretty much everything I've seen her in, in my opinion. Anyway, the thing is, Oscar dies. And once he does, there's a whole, the the film shifts focus and starts following his spirit. I mean, that's just, it's very obvious how he's going for that. And we all not only get family history and what happened, where he got, how it was that he got to the point where he was and is to his, and then to his death and what happens in the aftermath of his death, death. Um, honestly, this film is best left unspoiled because the wh- end is one trippy trip of a trip for lack of a better description. Uh, if you're not a fan of Irreversible or this director, this is probably not for you, but it definitely, I mean, it is a drug film for sure.
0: All right, well, my number five movie um, about drugs is one you know, I can't remember, Corey. I, th- I thought we might have watched this for Movie Club, but I didn't look to see if we did or not. But I went with uh, Half Nelson. Did we watch that for Movie Club, or did I watch that on my own?
2: I think you watched that on your own. I've never seen that before. Oh,
0: it's a Ryan Gosling movie. That's why I thought we might have watched it for Movie Club. Um, now that <laughs> I'm saying it, I remember uh, man. one of my students um, watched it and was like, you need to watch this. And I did, and it's a very tough movie. Um, it's Ryan Gosling, Anthony Mackie. Um, Sharika Epps, who is really, really good in this movie, like she's a young kid, but she's terrific. Uh, it's directed by Ryan Fleck. Um, it has an 85 Metascore, so it is like a well-regarded film, but it is super tough because, uh, Ryan Gosling plays a history teacher, right? And so you're, you're, you're thinking he's like a a white history teacher in an inner city school, um, very tough students right away. And so you're thinking he's going to like help a student, you know, get off drugs, not at all. He is the one who gets addicted to drugs really bad. And the student witnesses it. And she's from a world where drugs are a, a part of, like, how you pay for things. Drugs, you know, you, her dad, it's implied her dad was a drug dealer. Um, Anthony Mackey's character plays, like, the drug kingpin, so to speak, of the area. And there are some unbelievably tough scenes. It, it is such a really solid film, though, with some excellent performances. Um, some things that I will never forget seeing, um, from Gosling and, and Mackie too. If you're not familiar, uh, Mackie plays Falcon in the Avengers and the Captain America movies. Um, and unfortunately he seems to get typecast as the drug kingpin in like every other movie I've seen him in. Cause he's in this year, he's in, um, the, the hate you give playing that type of role. Um, here he's that. And there was another movie I saw recently where he was, that same character i'm like man they really like to cast him as a as a bad guy drug dealer and i mean he's in some other he's in a lot of stuff actually anthony Mackie's in a bunch of movies that i still haven't seen like i've yet to see the hurt locker um and he's in that oh detroit he's not a drug dealer but uh he's good in detroit um i didn't see triple nine okay so maybe it's not as often as i thought but two movies specifically where he's he's cast as like this drug dealer kingpin type character um, ooh, maybe I'm wrong I feel like maybe pain and gain he's a drug dealer um, but nonetheless uh, it's when I was thinking about because like as a teacher myself watching this teacher make dumb decision after dumb decision and he does some messed up stuff in this movie it was really really tough um, and then watching the connection he has with his students despite that and maybe in some ways because of that maybe they feel like he's broken too You know, he's from this world that maybe he does get what their lives are like. Um, But it's, yeah, it's a really solid film. It's not a happy film. So, Corey, you may not like it. I don't know that I can't remember exactly how it ends, but I don't feel like it ends on a super positive note. Um, But uh, it is one I recommend. So if you haven't seen Half Nelson, uh, I watched it on Netflix, but it's been a couple of months. So it may or may not still be there. Um, But check it out. Half Nelson um, starring Ryan Gosling, Anthony Mackie. And uh, Corey has nothing to say. I don't know if Mike's seen Half Nelson or not, but uh, that leads into Corey's number five. So, Corey, what have you got?
2: I just changed my number five. Oh. I felt like we had already done this list, but I think that it was like crime or something. It
0: was probably crime.
2: So, you know, whatever. It's probably going to be some, you know. A cross over yeah, it's fine. Um. So I'm changing my number five to Wolf of Wall Street.
0: Ah, very good.
2: Um, I just love, I don't want to say that I love, but I just think that the movie gets like that, that like excess, there's just so much excess in the film. It's everything. It's money, drugs. It's just everything. They spend money like I wouldn't even, I can't fathom. Um, I, ah. and we know I'm a Leonardo DiCaprio appreciator. Um, yeah. I don't, and I loved like, um, so much about when this movie came out, how people were so taken aback by it. And, uh, you know, we all saw like Instagram photos of, you will not get your money back. Um, there's a lot of cussing. I forget mm-hmm. how many times the F word is it's in the movie. It's over
0: I, 400. It's a, it was a record at the time. I think it still is, but it was at the time.
2: That is my favorite word. (laughs) I I don't know. I feel like it's very applicable in lots of situations. But um, I just... And I remember having a a conversation with my manager at the time that she just thought that it was too much. And I just... How do you just not... I don't know. I felt like it was so... It just helped further illustrate that excess. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. I like the movie. I've only seen it once or twice, I think. Um... But, and also, we can't forget the scene where he's, like, driving his super expensive car that costs more than everything in my life ever will, all combined, and he gets home fine, and he's, Mm -hmm. like, high and drunk and everything, and, oh, no big deal, but then when he wakes up, it's not
0: that at all. I love that visual, like, (laughs) that was one of my favorite parts of that movie.
2: Yes! Um, The office parties, the yacht parties, I just, I don't know so no, I don't even remember
0: it's it's it it's a really good one because it does show like it, it I wouldn't say it, it doesn't glorify drug use I could see someone misinterpreting it but like that sequence where he gets home safe even though he could barely like stand up and then when we see oh no the only reason why he's not injured is because his muscles were so relaxed that his body was basically jelly through all the collisions that he had um, like it shows you, no, no, it screws up your life severely. Um, I consider this one, be, I've only seen, uh, one of the downsides of doing the film criticism thing for the last few years is I have severely, um, underwatched movies. Like I've only seen most movies once where in the old days I rewatched movies all the time. I would say I, I saw like a lot less movies, but I saw them a lot more often where now I see a lot more movies, but I generally only see them once, and sometimes that makes it hard to talk about. There's a couple of movies on my honorable mention that I think are probably, if I watched them again, they would be higher up on my list. Yeah, they, same. They, they didn't have that... I don't feel like I could talk about them enough to justify putting them on my top five, you know? Um, but I feel like
2: this is a hard one, though, because one of mine isn't because I think it's the best per se, it's because it's the most memorable.
0: Yeah, and it, that movie is super memorable, plus people were talking about it. It wasn't like... Because some of the movies on my list, most people haven't seen. Like Half Nelson, a lot of people haven't seen. Where like, I, I guess when I say a lot of people, I mean like your average movie watcher wouldn't have heard of Half Nelson. But I mean, Wolf of Wall Street was a Martin Scorsese film, and it was big. You know, it's Leo DiCaprio. It's uh, the it introduces, I believe, Margot Robbie to the world. I don't think mm-hmm. she was a superstar yet. Jonah Hill playing that kind of obnoxious I character
2: liked him in this though I, oh yeah like he did such a good job and i don't feel like i'm like oh jonah hill's in it let's go see that movie you know i yeah. don't feel like he's a pull for me but i liked him a lot
0: um i don't know i i like him but no i mean obviously that's your take you know i'm saying i don't know how i feel about it um it used to be a bigger pull i think now he's done some duds um that i've not been a big fan of however He's also done some that I really, really love, so it, it's just kind of hit or miss. And I also loved his movie, Mid-90s, that he directed, uh, Jonah Hill, this year.
2: I've heard, like, torn, like, very
0: mm-hmm.
2: opposing.
0: I'm not sure how you'll feel about it, to be honest. Um, but, it, again, I don't know for sure, because you have been hard to nail down sometimes. Um, again, the I will always go back to Hello, My Name is Doris, because I completely <laughs> adored that movie, and you despised it, so... Because um, I wanted
2: to punch half the characters in the face. I don't want them getting screen time. If, and know. the same
0: thing, like, a, a lot of movies on Movie Club that we've had disagreeing opinions on, it's usually because of the ending. And uh, you you tend to not like downer endings. I am okay with them. I don't necessarily think I, like, I don't look for them, but I'm not opposed to one. And I, I believe that if one hit you the right way, you would be okay with it. But so far, the ones we've watched have generally left you not liking the movie versus, like, um, you know, being okay with it. But... Um, mid nineties is definitely one that it, it just clicked for me. Uh, I liked a lot of it. Um, there was something about the friendships that were built in the movie that just really worked for me, but all right. Uh, that's Corey's number five, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, one that I've only seen once, I think, but I did like very much. Uh, I am a fan of Scorsese and DiCaprio, so not really surprised that it worked for me, but, uh, that leads us to Mike's number four.
1: All right. So whenever someone thinks of a film about drugs, the first expectation is that it has to be an action infused blockbuster LS Scarface or a Trippy Voyage, such as train spotting. And there's almost always something that will surprise you, and that is definitely how I feel about my number four pick, four's Maria Full of Grace. This film is easily one of the most understated works that I can think of that has to do with the drug trade. And for me, while it's difficult to imagine being in a place where your only choice is to become a drug mule um, which is what Maria the title character has to do it's I, I just can't imagine but we're put into her shoes we see what she has to do and what she's deciding to do and we're given an inside look at what it very well might be like and there are definite moments of tension and uh, suspense but it's not a it's not your typical... Typical, you know, it's not going to be a Scarface like that. And there is some graphicness that maybe is done off-screen, and you see hints at it, and you see some of the, the 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 viscera of and the effects of this because this is not a safe job of any by any means. And it is not once you get to the end, this voyage, this trip that you are along the ride with, for, with Maria is. Not hopeless. It is definitely. Uh, I feel uh, get gets you a hope full ending, and like any good film, we've said before, I want to know what ends up happening. But you're left on a note where you you've seen this part of it, and then what's next? And this is very relevant. There's some people that may have issue with this because just the way our political climate is nowadays, it just brings up some issues. However you can't help but feel for this particular character. I couldn't. I just totally sympathized and, you know, wanted the best. That That's when a film really works and when you really, truly care about a character, and you do. I felt it worked really well.
0: All right, so there's this weird pattern that happened with my five and four, Corey. Um, my number five was half Nelson, but my number four <laughs> is half Bait. Um, I knew it. I... Uh, I've loved Half-Baked for, oh my god, it has a 16 Metascore. I had no clue. Um, Not surprised this is not a critic favorite.
2: I was gonna say, what kind of critic would watch, you know what I mean? I don't know.
0: Well, you know, it's weird. I've never uh, done drugs, but I've always enjoyed movies about people smoking pot. I don't know what it is, if I just find them so funny. Um, I am a big Dave Chappelle fan. Uh, This is a movie that I think I can probably quote, way too much um i've watched this a lot Uh, again as i mentioned in my younger days i was i watched less movies but i watched those movies that i did watch many many times and this was one that was on recycle quite a bit i own this on uh vhs and on dvd um i still have the dvd copy i don't have the vhs anymore uh stars dave Chappelle, uh gailmore diaz um jim brewer and harlan williams my whole friend group loved this movie um directed by tamara davis Tamara davis Uh, which is interesting. I didn't realize it was a female director. That's And she directed Crossroads with Britney Spears and Billy Madison. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, but I have to
2: tell you a secret after this.
0: Okay. Um, well, I, I've been a Chappelle fan for a long time and his jokes in this movie crack me up. There's so many little things in this movie that just worked for me. Um, there's a part where he's mopping, uh, inside the room with all the scientists and a scientist (laughs) comes over to him. He's like, janitor. And he's like scientist and it's just like his level of like sarcasm it just cracks me up in this movie um my friends and i used to quote this movie all the time uh and so it's got a, a soft spot in my heart um and it's also about friendship and i do like movies about friendship uh, harlan williams character goes to jail for killing a police horse that had diabetes oh, it's so stupid like <laughs> keep mind, this oh my this is one of those God. movies i know the premise is dumb but the jokes make me laugh and i'm okay with that um they they end up selling weed as as mr nice guy uh, so this movie technically is about both doing drugs and dealing drugs you get some really funny cameos and uh, my favorite's probably john stewart um who is uh the have you looked at it on weed guy so like when he smokes weed everything is better so he's like have you ever looked at the back of a twenty dollar bill man and, and Chappelle's like yeah it's like have you ever looked at the back of a $20 bill on weed it blows your mind there's a guy in the bushes like it's it's stuff like that Uh, Snoop Dogg obviously it's a pot movie so he'll show up Um, uh, Willie Nelson's in this movie too same thing of course he is of course he is Um, there's a bunch of little cameos like that Um, I just I don't know I've always liked this movie um, Jim Brewer uh, there's a scene where he reenacts the Jerry Maguire firing sequence like who's coming with me it's it's just stupid but I, I've always loved it I think it's super funny and uh, I still do I still laugh at it anytime I've, I catch part of it um, Wesley Pipes and, and uh, Billy Bong Thornton are their, their smoking devices like it's stupid oh coming yeah I, I can't help it I love it there's a guy on the couch who doesn't speak for most of the movie um, and then he finally does I think it's uh the comedian Stephen Wright if I'm not mistaken um uh Tommy Chong is of course in this movie as Squirrel Master um it's it's again one I clearly know way too much about this movie but two um it's one of those I think if you're a fan of it it just it just makes you laugh and it's stupid good good good-natured humor um oh Stephen Baldwin's one of the smokers too that's right he's the MacGyver smoker oh man the MacGyver smoker turns anything into a bong um super funny yeah i can't mm-hmm. find the guy's name for the couch i swear it's steven right but um anyways that's my number four and Corey, when you said a secret this is a podcast friendly secret or I, like
2: it's podcast friendly okay um jim brewer is coming to boise and i Ooh. really want to go i'm trying to
0: talk bill into it <laughs> i've listened to some of his stand-up recently for when i was uh when i had serious xm and um mm-hmm he's uh his his humor has changed a bit because he's had kids and stuff now he's got some funny stuff he still delivers it very similarly but um that, that'd be fun to catch him he actually when i was in college he came to my school and i didn't know about it and i had to work and i was very mad that i missed it because that was like at that i mean it was only three or four years after half Baked, so i was like a big fan of his at the time um so i'm very mad that i missed that show but you know it happens Thanks all right well that's my number four uh have have you ever seen half-baked because it sounded like maybe you hadn't
2: oh yeah oh i've seen it it's been a very long time since i've seen it but my brother liked that movie
0: yeah again clearly i'm too big a fan um anyways that's my uh number four what is yours so my number four
2: is the one that i it's a well made film. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's just one that I've watched one time in my life and I can't ever go back to. So this one is more for the memorable part. Um, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I couldn't leave it off the list. So I went with 2000's Requiem for a Dream. Hmm. I see, um, I've heard and seen a lot of people list this as their favorite movie. And I don't really know. How it could hit that level with anybody um I don't like needles I don't um I mean I feel like this is stupid to say but no one would ever have to worry about me ever doing heroin because I think that it's terrifying and this movie definitely helped cement that um uh, I don't know that um everyone that's in this movie though is does a great job I mean I don't really know
0: yeah um i'm gonna save my thoughts on requiem for now um you I... watched it we watched it together didn't we for the for aronofsky no. on movie club
2: no we... you watched it oh i watched it because i head. had already seen it yeah. yeah and i told you if you wanted it to be part of movie club you had to let me know ahead of time because i was gonna have to work myself up to
0: it oh no i watched it when we were watching the aronofsky movies So I, I watched his whole yeah. catalog um, but it
2: wasn't with me We were going to make it
0: for a movie club. Got it, got it. I couldn't remember. I know we did four of his, but I didn't remember which four. But um, because we had – we both – I know The Island – not The Island. What's the movie with Hugh Jackman? Um, The Fountain. The Fountain. Yes. The Wrestler. We did Black Swan because neither of us had seen that. And then – I I saw Black
2: Swan in theaters. What
0: happened? Oh, you saw Black Black Swan? Yeah. Well, then I just watched that on my own then? Maybe – I don't know. I, I thought we did a whole month on Aronofsky, but it's we been, did. Okay. Cause it's been back when mother came out. Cause that's what we watched it for the release of mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be up on his whole catalog, which I am. Um, and I am a nice. fan. Uh, so I will save mine until I, it get, comes up on my list, um, which we've been mixing that up, but that's how I'll, I'll hold off um, my thoughts on it for now. We'll see where it falls in my list, but it's clearly on there. All right. Um, that leads us to, I believe Mike's number three. So Mike, what is your number three movie about drugs?
1: So my number three pick was a huge surprise for me because, well, one, the main character being played by someone. Uh, let's get get through to the title, and I want to jump right into it. But 2003's Party Monster, which is a bio docudrama uh, about Michael Alig, who was the club kid, the title, you know, party monster of the time. Uh, basically, you know, and that has kind of a double meaning because obviously you a party monster you believe and you think is going to be hugely into parties. And that's what he did. That was his, quote, air quote, uh, job, end quote. And he planned all these events and different things. And basically you're treated to seeing a powerhouse performance by Macaulay Culkin in a role that you never, I never would have imagined him playing. It's just worked. So He did such an amazing job playing that title character that um, the Michael Aylick character who you see kind of spiral, that downward spiral because he openly admits to murdering one of his best friends at the time and it goes from there and you definitely see the effects of excess on a culture and a generation and you know, it is. I feel, you know, a, a warning, a definite warning to to people that kind of glorify. And, and it, this is this isn't, this isn't a culture that goes away. I mean, there's, we still have kind of. This isn't something new that is shown on the screen. It's just seeing someone that we grew up with, a, a generation, a, a an actor that we are known for such wholesome roles. Put into this is was just really surprising. Uh, the meta score isn't the greatest, but I'm, I mean, you're really watching this for him and seeing what happens because I wasn't familiar with that character, that person, until you know, I think it was one of my former students way long ago. They've long graduated, they were definitely into that person. And um, this isn't the only treatment, there are a couple, you know, a couple others that kind of address this whether it's a documentary or whatnot. not but this one just really caught me off guard and that sometimes you know those surprises are always the best
0: alright now I keep messing up and saying we watched something together on movie club but I am confident Corey that this movie we did watch together on movie club and it's City of God from 2002
2: yes right. we did
0: I th- um City of God is an unbelievably tough movie um and I, uh, I'm gonna butcher names, so I'm not even gonna try. But check him out on IMDb if you want to see what it is. But it follows two kids, um, one who wants to be a photographer, one who wants to become like a drug lord, and you see him become that, the drug kingpin. And it's it's more than just drugs. It's a uh, the drugs are the money, the source of income, essentially. But it is a very violent gang. Um, there is a lot of tragedy in this movie. There is a love story. Um, I mean, God, it was such a compelling film, especially how the two diverging storylines intertwine again and again. It's, it's just done so well. Um, it is a foreign language film. I believe it is, um, I feel like it's Brazil, right? in Rio de Janeiro, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just man, what a film, um, it, it, this one doesn't focus on the drug use as much. I mean, there are. Characters whose lives have been affected by drugs and things like that. But it's it's more about the, the power behind the drug selling and how um, it leads this one character who is clearly a sociopath. Um, it mm-hmm. gives him the ability to, I don't know, like be a bigger sociopath. Like he has so much power and, um, I mean, he's cold-blooded throughout the film and there's like... Uh, I don't want to give anything away because I know we do spoiler warnings, but I I just feel like not enough people have seen City of God um, because it is a foreign language film. A lot of, of, again, casual movie watchers who maybe that's not who's listening to this podcast. But nonetheless, if you haven't seen City of God, I I do recommend that you check it out. Um, I believe it was on a streaming service for a while. It's probably not at the moment, but it's it's one that's worth um, renting at least of even if you have to pay like three or four bucks. It is, it's a really well made movie. Um, it definitely has some, some down notes. Uh, but I do, I do believe Corey liked this one. Um, even though there was some down notes. So, uh, when I was making my list, I was like, this, this movie needs to be talked about. It, it's too excellent. Uh, it's too tough. I mean, it is, and I believe there is some truth to the story.
2: Yeah. I think that it is based off of a true story. Oh, Cause I,
0: I think remembering, um, a lot of the kids in the movie are actually kids from the area. Um, if i remember at the end,
2: don't, don't they like give like the blurbs about what happened yes to they do everyone
0: yeah and they actually shot it that's there was some controversy behind the shooting if i remember correctly it's been a while since we watched it and this is an example of a movie i only saw once but it stuck with me um in a lot of ways not as much as i wish i, I wish i had even more to say but um i mean god this movie will will stick with you because it is I, so tough
2: and i think that like the way that they show how like detached the children are. Cause there are guns, there are drugs like the, uh, you know, like the way that they treat life is just very sobering
0: for sure. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah, it, it's a movie that, um, of course you can listen to our movie club episode of uh city of god um if you want to hear cory and i give a much more one comprehensive breakdown of the film and two a much more fresh on our minds breakdown of the film because we had we when we do movie club we watch the movie and record our episode that same week so there's usually at most uh, a six day gap but usually i think cory and i watch the movie the day or two before we record uh, that's what we try to do at least so um if you want to hear our more like, complimentary thoughts on the film and and getting into a lot of details. I think that was one of our longer episodes because we both had a lot to say about that movie. Um, You can check that out. I'll actually, I'll link it on the the post page for this episode. Um, But uh, that leads to Corey's number three. What do you got for number three, Corey?
2: I'm really glad (laughs) for a movie club because that's how I got my three and my two. So yeah my number three is 2007's no country for old men nice um the cast in this is great um the whole way that the movie opens where it's like a drug deal gone bad and I think that in the movie they they pronounce his name Llewellyn right
0: yeah
2: um he decides to take the money and then it's the rest of the movie is um, Javier Bardem's—I'm forgetting his name in the movie. Um, Anton Chigier. Thank you. I couldn't pronounce his last name. Okay. Um, following him and trying to get the money back, and it's just ruthless. His character is ruthless, and just some of the scenes with him in it. I know that it's like looking at fate and stuff, but the things you know he's putting people's lives on the line over coin tosses
0: Mm. oh i love that oh
2: you know um there's a scene in i think it's a little general store and it's just like yeah i was just holding my breath and you know and then the ending with llewellyn's wife and like ah i don't i don't really know what to say about this movie and when he's like moving around in the hotel the motel rooms and stuff and trying to like not be caught and then this police ho- or sheriff isn't he a sheriff
0: um i think so yeah
2: um it's like trying to help him and protect him i don't know i think it's a very good movie i don't know if oh, yeah. other people had been sleeping on it um it's directed by the cohen brothers um
0: 91 Metascore, uh, just to throw that out there. Heck, yeah. Um, I didn't put this on my list. Um, not I'm, I'm not disputing that it is a drug movie, but it's not... When I think of this movie, I don't think about the fact that drugs are where the money comes in and, and why he's involved, why he finds the money and how it all happens. But um, I do... I love... I, I'm a Cohen's fan anyways. Uh, I, I don't think... I think the only movie I've seen of theirs that I don't like at all was Lady Killers, and I was... I haven't gone back to that, and that's a remake of a film, too. I still haven't seen Hudsucker Proxy, uh, cruel, Intolerable Cruelty, and I think there's like one other fan, uh, film of theirs I've not seen, um, but I, I tend to like their stuff. Uh, some more than others, obviously, but um, this one is one of my favorites. I, I think so much about this movie is just absolutely excellent, and... I'm glad we got to bring it up because anytime we can encourage people to go back and watch through the Coen's catalog, um, I will say they, they're not going to work for everybody. Uh, they do have a dark sensibility that can definitely turn somebody off from their style, but, uh, it just works for me on, on almost every level. So glad that it is on your list. Um, and I know Mike would uh, agree cause Mike is also a fan of the Coen's. Um, although Mike likes their older stuff, Miller's crossing and, uh, um, a lot too. So, and I do too. Not to, I'm not saying I don't. I also like their stuff. Um, Barton Fink is one that's often underseen, but I adore uh, from them. So, um, that leads us though to Mike's Numero Dos. Mike, what do you got for two? Now, my 2006
1: pick uh, for me cuts close to home because it, it's basically set around the time when I was living in Miami in the early 80s, which all the way to the late 80s. But two thousand six cocaine cowboys, a documentary about the time period when you have these different factions and this basically this mentality, uh, this cowboy mentality, this wild west mentality, in Miami. And honestly, growing up in it, it's it's just kind of crazy to me. Some of this, I mean, just down the street. From where I lived in North, unincorporated North Dade, which is basically North Miami, just just out of the city limits, you know, the drug de- there was a drug dealer that lived there, and we kind of totally didn't know. There was other stuff going on in that neighborhood. I didn't realize until later after going up and moved out, but just realizing, oh, there was a drive-by because it's very visible. This was a home that was very extravagant and had lots of accoutrements. I mean, there was had a huge circular shaped. Elevator, elevating platform that went from the the lakefront area that went into the living area. I and mean, this we could see from the lake. We weren't ever in that home. I don't think we would ever have been allowed to be. But so you got to understand during the time period, we just felt safe. I mean, I was going around. I grew up in Miami, biking all over Miami. It's something I would never allow my own children nowadays to do. But we just, I guess that was life and that's how it was. And this really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there was a lot going on during that time period in Miami i mean the level of brutality as different factions come in to take over for others and the uh, comp- obviously the competitiveness between dealers that was huge and it not since al capone during prohibition had it been so insanely crazy um there obviously because being this this being a documentary there are no stars there are a lot of people that comment on them you know themselves and talk about share firsthand testimony, commentary and testimony about what they went through just well um i know a sequel's made i didn't ever really attempt to it because i felt this this encompassed everything pretty well within one volume at you know a pretty close to two hour you know running time it did really well so there is my number where my i number two pick already yep
0: so my number two was—I uh, think it was your number four, Corey. Requiem for a Dream. Mm. Um, I I love Aronofsky. Uh, I agree completely, though. I don't know when I'll ever rewatch this movie. Um, it is a tough watch on every level. And talk about a movie that ends on a down note. Um, the characters here are all, uh, all deal with addiction to some capacity. Um, and it's not just the obvious drugs. Some some of them are. Um, I think Ellen His Burstyn's mother. character is addicted to like speed or, um, something that's making her not sleep. Um, and also, I mean, there's an addiction to other things, uh, the game shows and things like that. Um, Ellen Burstyn, or wait, was it diet pills? That's what they were. It was diet pills. Um, Ellen Burstyn's so terrific in this movie. Um, Jared, Jared Leto or Leto, depending on your choice. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, Marlon Wayans. Um, no. Um,
2: <laughs> yes.
0: and, uh, I, this movie is um it's so crazy like there's so many sequences uh that are just tough to watch oh, like, um
2: it, oof, I'm sorry okay. I'm not trying to hijack
0: no go for it
2: I'm just thinking about the part where they're in line and I think his arm is infected yes and oh God it's so like, gross just wanting to throw up the closing scene with Jennifer Connelly like yeah
0: it's <clears> that <throat> sequence I mean that it, the, it makes it hard to recommend this movie. Um, but because the, the last sequence is so torturous to watch on every end. I think Marlon Wayans gets off the easiest, if I remember still bad. Like it's his ending is still tragic and awful, but compared to what happens to everyone else, I think it's the most minor, um, because man, his gets like, you mentioned the infection on the arm and what Conley, uh, resorts to in order to get her fix, um, completely leaped, leaps and bounds different from the character we meet at the beginning of the movie. Uh, this is definitely a downbeat ending. Everything goes wrong as a result of their addictions. Um, I mean, we, there's a scene where Jared Leto's and Marlon Wayans steals his mom's TV. Um, and then I think they get it back later in the movie. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, and, of course, the, the interesting thing is, is choosing that the mother character also has an addiction you know that it's not just like her dealing with her son's addiction which she is but she's also dealing with her own and how it makes her crazy Uh, it's man it's again really tough film it's intense it's nerve-wracking but it is it's outstanding um so uh i went with this one honestly i didn't think it would be on your list um because i i tried i do try to uh keep our list slightly separate so we don't have the overlap when possible Because I left a movie off that I think is um, equally amazing, that I'm guessing is either your number two or number one. And since you said uh, Movie Club gave you your number three and two, I'm guessing it's your number one. But we'll see when we get there. Uh, For now, let's go to your number two. Unless there's anything else you want to add again on Requiem.
2: I wish I could work up the gall, so or work up the stomach to watch it again.
0: Yeah, it is – I, I kind of want to because I, I love Cause I, Aronofsky's ability to make me uncomfortable. Um, I but, was
2: pretty young when I watched that. I can't remember exactly when, but, you know, I just feel like being this age or being older, I would – I,
0: I think a lot of um people came to this movie because of the – like, there are people who flock to drug movies for one reason or another, but um I think why a lot of people walk away saying it's one of their favorites – is because there's a lot of cool cinematography and stuff that you don't see in your casual, like Hollywood blockbusters. And so I think this is one of those like more it's not accessible per se, but it's a more accessible art house style film. Um, because Aronofsky does do a lot of unique things and he likes these fisheye close ups where we're like uh, I can't remember the name of the mount where the camera is mounted to the character, but like when Marlon Wayans is running, we're in his face, and the world behind him is erratic and chaos, but he, his face is always center in the frame, and it, it, it's disorienting, and it's a guarantee for a lot of people who say this is their favorite, this is one of the most innovative films they've ever seen, and that's why it stands out amongst the, the rabble of the Hollywood blockbusters, which again, I'm not opposed to a Hollywood blockbuster, But you can tell the difference when you've watched a lot of independent film versus the blockbusters. The indie films go for more psychological and more intriguing camera work and um, even performances. Because, again, you wouldn't see the ending of this movie in a blockbuster. It's just not going to happen. And so I think um, for a casual movie watcher who may have saw this because they heard it was about, you know, four drug addicts. like Oh, that could be entertaining because, like, Half-Bake's entertaining. But this movie is different direction um, with the drug addiction. But um, that said, uh, Corey, what is your number two?
2: My number two is, I think this was from when we did the Paul Thomas Anderson month. Ah, but I went with 1997's Boogie Nights.
0: I thought that's what you were going to say when you said PTA.
2: <laughs> yes, um, I don't know why I held off on this movie for so long. Um i'm really glad that we watched it and again just like showing um i don't know
0: uh, i think degree, that there's excess oh, go ahead. i was gonna say yeah, in, in exactly. some ways it reminds me of wolf of wall street um, a lot
2: and that like starts to be their downfall
0: yeah or for sure.
2: mostly like our main character and one of his friends um and uh... I think too with the time that we're in and I feel like a lot of people especially beautiful young girls (laughs) are trying to get into that industry and I think that it's a totally different
0: well it's easier now to get into this type of industry as that Mm -hmm. it only requires a phone um and or a computer with a webcam um to start you know marketing yourself as something like that and yeah uh obviously there's been a lot of memes lately um r- making memes? jokes yeah not, not actual pornographic but making jokes about I guess I guess there's like some kind of snapchat thing and um the girls are now like getting hit for the IRS for like tax fraud for not claiming the money they were making uh, on their like streaming of, a, of adult content uh, uh, so that's uh, become a meme like the joke of like being ratted on by the like to the IRS like that um but yeah sorry that's uh, hilarious (laughs) there's like
2: also though it's not it doesn't it's not all bad like there's some redemption at the end and he yeah ends up you know like coming back to this family that he's made from this industry which that's a little awkward too
0: (laughs) yeah and julian yeah julian um
2: (laughs) you're like a son to me but you sleep with him in movies yeah i don't know
0: uh, Alfred Molina plays the the coked up drug dealer that they uh, they go to buy from or steal from, and um, yeah, that That's that sequence nuts. is so funny. Um, Thomas Jane is also in that scene, who I'm a fan of because of the Punisher, um, and then John C. Riley, Mark Wahlberg, just awesome performances. Um, it's a movie that uh, did really well for a long time. Although I hear from the critics that I listen to, it doesn't hold up to them. Um, I did a 180 on it because again i think why you probably avoided it for so long is it's a movie about the porn industry you're thinking it's going to be a movie about the porn industry um and i i don't feel like it glorifies it but it also humanizes it to a degree that i was surprised about because it does make you feel like bad for these people like their lives are um you know they're they're trying to find a way to do what they're good at even burt reynolds character um who is this like you know He's a director who couldn't make it directing real movies, so he directs porn movies. But he makes them movies, like they tell stories, they have character. And then when that shift happens, and he's just, you know, with a VHS cassette recorder, and he's not even like they're doing like the uh, they pick the guy up off the street, um, and they you know they're like, hey, guy, you want to have sex with Roller Girl? And Uh... like it ends up Burt Reynolds loses it. Like he can't, you know, he's he wants to direct real stories, real movies, and here he is now just filming people having sex and it's not it doesn't work for him and he's losing it um and that's that there's that redemption arc for so many of the characters in the movie but it's like a weird redemption arc like you said because it's not we don't usually think of like oh now you're successful in the porn industry as like a, a successful arc but at the same time you're like hey at least you're not where it looked like you were gonna end up for a few minutes there um because it does look like everybody's gonna die um
2: yeah i was just about to say dead
0: Alright, uh, that's that's a really solid pick um, And the drugs do Like, there's a lot of elements Because there's drug dealing, there's drug use And how the use affects uh, the addiction Like, Mark Wahlberg trying to make it as a uh, musician Is some of the funniest crap in that movie Yes um, And the,
2: it, isn't it that he has to pay for his studio time first But yeah, he, he like, won't And, oh god
0: Yeah, it's super funny um, Alright it, It's open that's number two I th- i'm still pretty confident i know what your number one is. i know you see. know what my number one is all um, the
2: listeners do too
0: yeah we, cause it's been on your list a few times but we'll, we'll get there mm-hmm. we need to first hear mike what is your number one movie
1: now my original number one pick i ended up shifting over to my honorable mentions and again if you don't already know me my personality is to go for the underdog and this is definitely one of those films it's 2002 spun and you got to understand this was one of those accidental finds late at night uh, i actually i'm pretty sure it was during the trifecta of hurricanes way back when when we got hit with three in the row and one of them was the weakest and we had a bunch of uh, a bunch of the college kids over and we just happened to see oh let's see what this is IMDb touts this or labels this as a comedy crime drama. And I suppose, you know, dark humor, darkly humor and whatnot. Black humor is what I meant to say. I could see that there were some parts where you, you know, you probably aren't supposed to laugh and yet you do because it's just absurd what you go through. But before I got too far into it, you got to listen to this cast list because even remembering, because I only saw it once and I know, I think it's currently available on, to be, which uh, if I haven't mentioned it's an ad-based way to get it that's I really have been liking, even with the ads. Sometimes you never see an ad in the middle of a movie, so you luck out sometimes. Start Jason Schwartzman, John Leguizamo, Brittany, the late Brittany Murphy, Mickey Rourke, Mina Suvari, the late um, oh where uh, Alexis Arquette, Peter Stormar. Uh, Rob Halford, the lead singer of Judas Priest, makes an appearance. Larry Drake, who was on L.A. Law and also played the villain in Darkman. Eric Roberts. Josh Peck, of all people. Debbie Harry from Blondie. Just uh, all these different people just playing parts in this. Billy Corgan has a role. Uh, Ron-, <laughs> Ron Jeremy, the infamous Ron Jeremy. Those are just some of them. I just was shocked looking back. But basically what you get with Spun is the look into a life of a drug dealer who introduces someone he knows to speed to meth and then become, you know, you see the inner workings of a meth lab. And talk about being timely. I mean, it wasn't a few years back in our neighborhood, our own neighborhood that there was something along those lines because I, I remember a house catching fire. Now, I might have the, st- the details of the story wrong, but uh, I know near Point Siena, unless things have changed, there have definitely been places, you know, where people are cooking up meth, and obviously the volatility of the chemicals and whatnot makes that very, very dangerous. Uh, just this, again, and obviously it's probably an exaggerated look, and there's some embellishment and whatnot, but being able to kind of follow these characters now honestly i felt like i cared more about the character maria character and maria full of grace but just the idea of this this is shocking to see just a total decline of a person you know of of not just a person because you're following different people throughout this whole story and it, it worked um obviously train spotting is like the flagship when you think of a drug film, like along these lines and probably I would say the salt and sea, which I should have put in my honorable mentions. And Vincent D'Onofrio is just always an amazing performer.
0: All right. So my number one, I can't remember for sure if I've ever had it on my list. I know I've at least mentioned it before, but, um, I do like, I, I mentioned with half baked, I like the drug comedies. Um, and honestly, this one is a really good comedy, but I also, I think there's some really good stuff in this movie, and I went with Friday from 1995. Um, it's uh, written by Ice Cube and DJ Pooh, which I didn't know that, um, directed by F. Gary Gray, stars Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, Nia Long, uh, Tommy Tiny Lister, John Witherspoon, who's one of my favorite parts of this movie, that's Pops, um, Anna Marie, uh, I don't know her last name right now, but I'm going to scroll down because um, Bernie Mac has a small part in it, um, on Love is Big Worm, and, um, I, man, I just love this movie, I think there's a lot of funny parts for sure, but there's some really positive messages, a lot of them come from the dad, um, my favorite is when he catches Craig, who is Ice Cube's character, uh, getting his gun, and he walks in, and he's like, what, what you need that for, and they have this very serious discussion, and that's the thing, when, John Witherspoon's funny throughout the movie. Like, he's, you know, the he's taking a poop and ice cubes in the bathroom with him. And that, that's all well and good. But he gets these couple of moments where he gets to be the dad. And I just, I as a kid, I, I grew up with a grandfather who was very much a father for me. But nonetheless, I never had a dad. And so, um, movie dads, if they gave wisdom in a dad-like way, usually clicked with me. And I, I've never forgot those speeches, um, where he says, you know, um you feel like a man with that gun. He's like, I'm a man without it. Like, I love that conversation. And then, uh, when he's fighting, um, uh, Z- Debo at the end of the movie and John Witherspoon's sitting there, like watching his son fight this monster of a man, but like rooting him on. And, and even though, again, I don't encourage fighting it's in a film. So I, I'm okay with it in the context. And I don't know. I I've always had, uh, a fandom for fight club. I still qu- not fight club. What the heck? Um, for, <laughs> And on to episode of uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, my brain just jumped back a couple episodes. Um, but for Friday, I've always loved it. Uh, it's probably my favorite Chris Tucker performance. I, I like him in Fifth Element, but he's a little obnoxious in Fifth Element. And he, Rush Hour is good. But uh, Friday is where I, I was introduced to the character. I also like um, Next Friday. Um, Friday after next, not so good. But uh, the first two, I think, are really solid. Ice Cube is... Um, still an actor who I, I tend to like when he's in things now. But this was the first time I really remember him as an actor that I liked. Um, I had his uh, cassette single of Good Day. Today was a good it's day. It's a
2: good song. It
0: is a really good song.
2: And the video, I yeah.
0: I still remember it, right? All these years, and I still remember that music video. Um, so when this movie came out, I was all about it. And um, it, it, it kind of is both because, again, it does deal with drug dealing. It deals with drug use because there's, you know, today's Friday, I'm gonna get you high today, and he, he, he doesn't usually smoke, but when he ends up smoking, and then he gets all paranoid, um, there's a lot of kind of humor behind it, although Craig does not learn his lesson, uh, because it's implied that when he does smoke, everything goes wrong, so he would learn not to smoke, but in the next movie, he's actually now, like, a regular smoker of weed, where in this movie, he'd never smoke, um, so I guess that kind of doesn't flow, uh, flow right, but, um, there's so many funny scenes in this film too just like silly crazy things that um that happen and uh i don't know i love friday it's a buddy comedy in it's at its heart because of Smokey and craig um but i just you know it, it's just great it's a really solid film that i don't think enough people have uh, have given a chance so i've decided to make it my number one movie about drugs
2: i um Again, my brother <laughs> liked this movie. I think I did see Friday After Next in theaters, though. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've seen this. It's just been a very long time.
0: Yeah, Mike Epps uh, fills in for the sidekick character in that one because uh, Smokey's gone to rehab, according to the story, and then Ice Cube has moved out into the suburbs to live with his uncle because Debo is coming, I'm giving, again, uh, information that I've seen these movies far too many times. But... um. I really like Epps in that actually uh, that's also one of my favorite Mike Epps performances um, he cracks me up in Friday After Next uh, there's this a sequence where he's talking about his baby mama's well girl who's accusing him of being the, the daddy of her unborn child um, uh, big sister who like she's a big strong woman um, but <laughs> he says she knows about all the snack cakes she, <laughs> he, he, just, I'm he just here. He, he cracks me up um he cracks me up with that whole sequence uh yeah um I, I like the Friday those two Friday movies the third one gets real bad and real ridiculous and apparently it has a Christmas element to it which I did not know but I recently uh I think the cover they're like wrapped in Christmas lights or something like it's at Christmas time of year which doesn't make it any more appealing to rewatch. I, I tried watching it once and I just I just couldn't um but there's so many, like, little quotable things. that Mainly John Witherspoon. I say a lot of the stuff, John Witherspoon. Anytime I put hot sauce on a burrito, I have to sing th- his little song from Friday after next. So, again, mm. I'm a big fan of Friday and Next Friday. Um, I, I also own both of those on VHS and DVD. Um, yes. <laughs> yep. But, all right. That's my number one. And, Corey, your number one, I feel like, is Just probably starring you and McGregor, yes. directed by Danny Boyle, called Trainspotting.
2: Yes, it is. Um... I feel like it's really weird to say that it's one of my favorite movies, though, because it is also heavy, but it's not as heavy as
0: no, it's much more. One of more the other movies art. that we've
2: talked about. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, Rinton's a an a-hole, but I love him anyway, and Spud is my favorite. So. Um. I don't have anything else to say that I haven't said before.
0: Yeah, I so. I was gonna put this on my list because um the visualization of drug use and an overdose Ugh. are two of my favorite sequences in film. Like I love the sequence when he falls back into the, the grave, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like yeah. the red room, it's the coffin, like just there's so many cool visuals in train spotting. Um, it is a tough movie and it has one of the toughest scenes in film that I believe was on my uh, scary children list was yes. the, uh, the, the dead baby that written sees in his uh, withdrawal phase when he's trying to get clean, he sees the baby crawling on the ceiling and its head turns around 180 degrees. Um, the movie's got some amazing visuals. It also has some of the grossest visuals because Danny Boyle <laughs> loves crap. Like, there's Slumdog Millionaire has one of the grossest scenes with crap where a kid jumps through a hole in the uh, what I guess is an outhouse essentially. And then uh, swims around in the poop for a few seconds. Here we get the toilet sequence where Renton goes digging for his uh, suppository of... Um, was it like methadone, I guess? I don't... Something oh. that he has to shove up his butt. And he goes... It He has to poop, though. So he has to go uh, digging in this disgusting toilet to get the suppository back. And then he actually falls into the toilet and he's in the ocean. It's a really cool visual... And then the other nasty moment is with Spud when he poops the bed and the sheet... Oh, yeah, my he, God. Oh, uh, so gross. Um, Thanks, Danny Boyle, for all the poop. Um, but, but I
2: think that also, I mean, it shows, like, the absolute, uh, you know, like, what they're willing to do.
0: Yeah. And it's the, like... Hum- like yeah, because it's, it, it's played for humor. Like, that scene with the sheet, it's played for humor, but it's a result of the, the drug use and the alcoholism. He was so out of it, he pooped the bed. You know? Yeah, so gross. Um, yeah, and that same thing, Renton's so desperate for Childhood. whatever the suppository right. was. It's opium. Yeah. Uh, it's just one thing after another. There's um, Some amazing visuals in that film. Really cool camera work. The soundtrack is killer, as Corey has talked <sighs> about many, many times. Um, yeah, I, I, I knew it would be your number one. Honestly, it should be in my top five. I left it off knowing it would be in yours, um, and I would get to talk about it because of that. Uh, it is an excellent film. Um, I could easily have put it in a, a, any position on my top five. But I did want to talk about Half Nelson and City of God, um, knowing that a lot of people may have slept on those movies. And I like to rep the comedies that people maybe under, undervalue. And I think Half Baked and Friday fall into that category as well. So um, we're going to get into honorable mentions. So first, uh, Mike, do you have any honorable mentions?
1: Let me jump into my honorable mentions because I've gotten through my, all my top five. My original number one pick, uh, Less Than Zero, is one of my top honorable mentions. The Reefer, uh, the classic Reefer Madness, uh, especially if you can get a hold of the Riffrex or the MST3K, the Rift version of that is classic. Midnight Express, Scarface, which you mentioned, Requiem for a Dream, obviously. Sicario, which I need to get to the, the sequel of. Train Spotting, which you mentioned. And lastly, City of God. So... There we are. That's my honorable, honorable mentions. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to be recording with you live next time. My apologies again. Have a good one.
0: All right. Uh, my honorable mentions. Um, I've talked about, I think, at least once or twice, How High, another uh, pot comedy that stars Method Man and Red Man. Um, I'm a fan of their rap music as well. Uh, it's a stupid movie, but I, I find a lot of it to be really, really funny. Um, another pot comedy, Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express seth rogan um uh james franco and the first time i remember danny mcbride being prominent in a movie um he cracks me up in this film um there's some other uh really great little cameos and stuff bill hader has a really early scene um he's like uh the test subject for the pineapple express weed um johnny depps uh it's not his director but he stars in fear and loathing in las vegas i've only seen once but I am so familiar with so many scenes from that movie that I thought about that one. Um, I just recently saw *Beautiful Boy*. Uh, it's a heavy movie about drug addiction, well performed by Timothy Chalamet and Steve Carell. Um, *A Scanner Darkly* that we watched for uh, Movie Club, with um, is that a Nirenovsky movie? We that didn't might watch that. Are you sure Scanner Darkly*, the uh, all rotoscope movie? Yeah,
2: because with... it has my girl Winona. I bought it.
0: Oh. Well then, man, I've watched some movies without you that I kept thinking that uh, uh, this is a trend for this episode. Is me thinking we watch something together? like the
2: fourth d- time, John. Jeez. I know. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I watched it for something. It's a Richard Linklater film. That's what it is. um I knew it was a director that I was trying to knock out some of his movies. um Cano Reeves, Rider, Robert Downey Jr., all rotoscope. So it's all animated, but they filmed the whole thing and then they they drew over the frames of film. So the whole thing's animated. Really cool. Uh, and that does play in with the drug use. Um, it's oh, such a cool movie. I need to rewatch it, actually, because it's pretty trippy. Um, Dazed and Confused, which I would imagine may have been on Mike's list, but uh, maybe not because we have talked about that movie a lot. Um, last year, I believe, American Made, uh, Tom Cruise movie where it shows uh, how this pilot helped start drug cartels, essentially. Um, what? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting movie. It's based on a true story. Um, and it's, Cruz is always charismatic. If you like Tom Cruise, you don't. I do. Um, it's, it's easy to enjoy. Uh, another film that I really want to talk about, because I don't think enough people know it exists. Um, I didn't know it existed until it was at the Florida Film Festival as a, uh, retro screening. Um, and it's called Jesus' Son. Uh, stars Billy Crudup. That's where the movie where I, he sat two seats away from me, uh, during the screening, because he was there for a and a Um, Billy Crudup, um... There's other big names, but I'm not seeing them pop up right away. Um, Jack Black has a really small part, but he's great. Michael Shannon has a small part. Uh, excellent, of course, when he's in it. Um, really tough movie about a guy with drug addiction. Um, I I wish it. kind of wanted to put it in my top five, but I only saw it the one time, and I didn't know if I'd be able to talk enough about it. And then last, and I apologize for having so many honorable mentions, but um, this movie I also really wanted to talk about. But I've only seen it once, and I wasn't sure if I could remember it well enough to talk about. But it's called Dope. Dope is from 2015. Stars uh, Shamik Moore, Tony Revolori, who you might know from uh, Grand Budapest Hotel or Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, Kiersey Clemens, which I didn't realize she was in it, actually, until just now. Uh, who, if I'm not mistaken, is from Hearts Beat Loud. But maybe not. Okay, no, it's a different Kiersey. No, it is her she's, she's her IMDb profile picture right now, she has no hair, like, completely bald, oh, nope, a little bit of hair, but very, very little, compared to, like, her flowing hair in, uh, Hearts Beat Loud, um, oh, interesting, she's in a bunch of stuff I didn't know, um, but I really like her, uh, especially in Hearts Beat Loud, um, but it's a really solid film, um, it's funny, but it's, it's got some dramatic, and in the interesting twist is that your uh, your drug dealers are nerds um they're geeks who use their intelligence to try to move in on the drug game um uh. and it's it's really interesting uh i believe if i remember correctly and this is again i I've, i hate my memory but i feel like um it's set now it's set in like modern day but they are obsessed with the 80s culture so or 90s culture maybe it's 90s culture and so, they, they're they they pattern themselves off of like '90s hip hop characters from like Fresh Prince of Bel Air and stuff like that. But it's now, so like they're this anomaly of nerds because they're they're living in the past, in like an obsessively nerdy, detailed way. You know, uh, if you if you slept on Dope, which a lot of people did, uh, seventy two Metascore, uh, really recommend solid film, um, lots of funniness, but it definitely it hits the crime drama because of the drug element. Uh, pretty hard too so
2: oh my god I did see that I had to look up the okay
0: yeah and see again like, oh, that sounds so good it it, it it is Um, it was on Netflix my wife and I watched it my wife also really liked it when we watched it but it has been a while so I felt I felt I couldn't do it justice in my top five and also I wasn't sure where I would place it because it was so not fresh in my memory and talking about it now more is coming back to me but when I was building my list I didn't feel comfortable putting it in the top five but it is definitely one uh, worthy of mention and you should check out listener if you've not seen it um cory what do you have for honorable mentions
2: okay i have um traffic broke down palace sicario basketball diaries and smiley face which stars mm. anna ferris
0: yeah and there's only seen that one. there's a lot of movies on that could have been on this list that i have not seen like party monster with macaulay culkin i've heard a lot of go- <gasps> i just thought about slc punk and that would have been great
2: dang i look. Love- i
0: I knew there was a movie movie. i was forgetting um that's one that deals heavy with drugs too that would have been really good um honorable mention i guess uh thrown in there but um 13 is one that i saw on a lot of lists uh spun Mm. i think spun with britney murphy which i i watched once but i don't think i paid full attention to it when i watched it so i i didn't want to count that one but um, and then, like, I watched Drugstore Cowboy, which I saw on a lot of people's list. I did not like that movie. My wife uh, brought it to, to me because it was a movie she liked from the 80s. I did not enjoy it. Um, it has Matt Dillon, but it's it's not great. In my opinion, not great. But nonetheless, that is our top five. I'm sure there's plenty of movies we left off. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. Uh, Mike is at Server Monkey. And Corey?
2: At Query R Star. Two R's at the end.
0: You can follow us on any Twitter, Instagram, etc., and reach out to us. Tell us what we left off or what you thought about what we said. Um, how do you feel about Friday or Half-Baked? Do you hate them? Do you love them? You decide. Tell us. We'd like to hear it. Um, you can read my reviews at berkreviews.com. Corey and Mike contribute from time to time. Uh, we have our other podcast, Burke Reviews Movie Club um we ask that you give that a listen Corey and i uh slowly are working through our giant gap list of movies that we have not seen set to a monthly theme to help us narrow down what we're picking um ultimately our goal is to try to uh just watch more movies uh, that we haven't seen um so you can check that out at berk on itunes spotify or wherever you get this podcast you're also getting that one automatically um and with that folks we want to uh thank you for listening please rate and uh share our podcast if you like it and until next time keep watching movies do you like movies do you like podcasts or are you just lonely if the answer is yes and even if it's not then check out the what i watch tonight shows filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie verse there's
2: something for everyone so come check it out more details at what i watch tonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.